0: everyone. I'm Josh Loftus, and this is the Every Day a Monday podcast, the podcast where we talk about everyday people doing everyday things in everyday churches. Whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or a Joel Olstein's dentist, this podcast <laughs> is for you. This is where we find value in the trenches of Christian life. Welcome every day a Monday. And I have a very special guest with me today, as always. He's a friend of mine and a pastor uh, at Christ Church in Federal Way, Washington. He's a husband, he's a father, and he's a popcorn connoisseur. And I'm talking about Mr. Jeff Moorhead. Jeff, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great, Josh. Good to be with you. Yeah. Good to be with you too. Thanks for being on with me today. So Jeff, give us, before we get going here, just kind of give us a short bio of who you are, what you do, kind of how, how you got into uh, the pastor position there at Christchurch. Just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I'm, uh, in my 60th year of life, number one. So that that's the big day coming up in June this year, but I'm married, been married for uh, 26 years. I've got four kids, uh, one, uh, two girls and two boys, uh, one's uh, 25 and down to them, a youngest who's still in high school. And she's a sophomore at Stadium High School right now. So, and I got one married and one engaged uh, to get married this summer. Hey, congrats. And, yeah. So exciting there. But uh, obviously a pastor, as you mentioned, and I've been pastoring for 38 years now. So I'm, wow. I'm on the uh, old side of life, I guess, but I still have the energy <laughs> and the excitement of doing the work of the ministry.
0: We call that the wise side of life, Jeff. The, the wise, wise side. side. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's the right. The prime time side. So how how did you get into the pastor position there at Christchurch? Was the pastor kind of always something that you kind of had your sights on, or was it something that you kind of stumbled into? Tell us, tell us about that a little bit.
1: Hey, that's a great question, because uh, I was serving as an associate pastor in various roles at different churches I was... Uh, My first pastorate was down in Florida for about eight years. I was associate pastor and did everything you could imagine. Uh, And it was fun. It was a great ministry. Kind of cut my teeth on the ministry down there in my 20s. Then I got called by a good friend to help with a church plant in Issaquah. Came up here and served as an associate pastor as well in a variety of uh, capacities. And that's where I met my wife in the ministry there. And we got married in 1992, and then in 1996, my father, who was pastoring at Overlake Christian Church in Kirkland, asked if I would consider coming over and serving uh, in the area of preaching as well as uh, life group ministry. So I went over there for about four years, actually three years. And during that time, one of the daughter churches that I'm at right now, Christ Church Federal Way, The pastor there, who was a good friend of mine, called me up and said, hey, I'm thinking about moving down to Texas. Could you come while I candidated a church and preach for me? So I came and preached. He came back home a week later, resigned. Then the eldership of that church, who I didn't know except for one man, asked if I would be willing to do an interim the summer of 1996. And I said, well, I'll see if I can. Checked with my uh, boss at Overlake. They said, yeah, we'll give you four weeks to go over there and help him out. So during those four weeks, they invited me to consider being the pastor, which was just something I wasn't pursuing. I'd only, I'd only been at Overlake for a couple of years, just getting established in the ministry there. And so I quickly said, well, I'm not really sure if I'm interested. I went back, talked to my dad. He said, well, did you pray about it? And I said, oh, yeah, forgot about that. I better pray about it. And so the Lord opened my heart and my eyes. And the next thing you know, in September, I was the lead pastor and here we go. You know, it's been a 23-year ride.
0: You're primarily the preaching pastor at Christchurch, but as anybody who is involved in any type of ministry knows, that's not all you do. You're, you've got your hands in tons of other ministries. When you think about your position there as lead pastor at Christchurch, what, on kind of both ends of the spectrum, what's what's the best part of that job for you? Where What's, what's the part that gets you up in the morning? And then what's the part that that you would consider to be the hardest that maybe keeps you up at night?
1: Well, Josh, that's a great question as well, because uh, I, I guess in some ways, uh, the best part of the ministry is I love every aspect of the ministry, except what I'm going to tell you here in just a moment. But the, my favorite part of the ministry is I love to study. I love to prepare, to teach, and to preach, and to disciple. And I love the shepherding part of it. I love being with people. And uh, just seeing how we can help them grow, pray for them, and encourage them—you uh, know, do some counseling with them. I love that aspect of ministry as well. It's also a difficult part of ministry sometimes when they're not as willing as you want them to be, and you have to, you know, kind of give them the uh, biblical prod and through the power of the Spirit. But uh, I would say, on the other hand, the difficult, most difficult part of the ministry is what my dad said it would be, and it's this: it's managing staff. Hmm. And so, as as much as I love my staff. I also hate my staff. (laughs) <laughs> it's a love-hate relationship.
0: We'll, we'll see how many of your staff are listening to this podcast after this.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I probably better—I probably better clarify those remarks, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would probably be good, or or we can just leave it right yeah, there right. and just let everyone think what they want, right? <laughs> yeah. What that oh, means is,
1: you know, I think that what that means is, is is just trying to shepherd these guys who are called into the ministry as well with different gifts different uh, energy levels, different, uh, you know, we want to be one mind. We want to be on the same page. We want to be working together. You obviously got to think about how do I keep them motivated? How do I keep them encouraged? How do I keep them on mission together with us? And and it's not always, it's an up and down uh, endeavor, I feel like, because we're the leaders as the, as the leaders go. So goes the church. So sometimes it's, it's a big job that for me, you know, maybe weighs me down a bit, uh, from doing what I just love doing the ministry, you know, and, uh, that's an aspect of the ministry that's there that you have to do it. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a meeting guy and yet I feel like my life, half my week's meetings, you know. And so
0: <laughs> sorry for adding to that, right? <laughs> it's called
1: my considered all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh man. Obviously, one of the probably major uh prerequisites to being a, a pastor is you have to be a Christian, right? So yeah. Jeff, how did you how did you uh how did you come to Christ? Was that a gradual thing? Was there a an instant moment where you had like a you know, a Paul, you know, Saul on the road to Damascus moment. How did, uh, how did Christ find you, man?
1: Well, Josh, I know you grew up in a Christian family. Like I did. My dad was a pastor, so I knew nothing but the gospel message. I knew nothing but the church. In fact, you know, in my early years, I thought that's what everybody did. Cause I came from the Midwest. Everybody went to church. I thought that was normal life. So when we came out to Seattle, when I was 10 years old, my dad came to me as he began a new church and he said, son, I want you to take this pastor's class. And he goes, we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I said, well, I'm a follower of Christ. He goes, well, how do you know that? And he basically said, you can't just automatically be in the kingdom of God just because you were born into our family. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that just really sent a shockwave through a 10-year-old's heart to say, wow, uh, he's kind of calling into question my belief. And so I went to the pastor's class. We went through the, you know, the fundamentals of the gospel, what it really meant, things I already knew. But I had a fresh eyes on it a little bit because I think maybe God was opening my heart. So I would say between 10 years old and 16 years old, God began to work in my heart. When I became a believer, I can't honestly tell you. I think when I got into middle school and high school, Christ really became real to me in a way. And my biggest sin that God needed to deal with was I was a Pharisee. Hmm. I, I just looked around and judged everybody else. Because I did it this way, I was raised in the church. I know the Bible. You don't, you know that kind of stuff. Right. And so God had to really do a work in my heart.
0: Um, so obviously, pastor at Christ Church, there been pastor in there for quite a while. What is one aspect of your church that perhaps if you weren't the pastor there, if you were coming in to visit, what's what's one aspect of your church that you really appreciate and and that you you really see as perhaps perhaps the most vital or, or perhaps the most encouraging aspect of, of your church?
1: I would probably say right now, uh, participating in the life group ministry, where the church is broken down into smaller groups and we can get to know each other in a, in a greater way. You know, when you have a church of, you know, almost a thousand people, you can't get to know everybody. And yet you can in a smaller group setting where you can pray together cry together, you know, rejoice together. We can disciple each other. We can counsel. I mean, just that's to me where I, I really enjoy that. I think we've got some good, healthy life groups at our church that are just full of uh, a variety of, of people that are at various dimensions in their Christian walk. And it's just a joy to be able to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, there are obviously probably a lot of churches that that maybe don 't have the small group ministry or life groups, community groups, whatever you yeah. want to call it yeah um, if you were to sum up the reason and importance for a small group ministry in your church, regardless of size uh what how would you how would you go about kind of telling somebody hey this this would be a very beneficial thing for your church to do because I agree with you I think I think small groups and you know community groups whatever you want to call it they are they're vital and they're so so beneficial I
1: would have them open their Bibles and read Acts chapter 2 uh, verse 42 to 47 where you know the first church got together was saved, baptized. And then they began to fellowship together. They began to learn from the apostles teaching. They began to, you know, just share life together. And I think that began to see the model as the church met from house to house. Yeah, they met publicly as well, but house to house, uh, where the, where you can really, uh, be face to face in helping people grow and they can encourage you, you develop friends, you, uh, you you end up doing life together in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think yeah. that honors God because it helps you make sure that we're all on the same page, we're all a mission together. Uh you know, we're just fulfilling uh the disciple making commitment that God's given us.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and it provides that that great accountability too. Yeah. And and you know, especially for larger churches, uh if you're, you know, if you're a church of a couple thousand people or so. Yeah. It's hard for the elders to keep tabs and, and to be, and be investing in the life of every single person, right? It's easy to come oh, in yeah. and out of the church and be forgotten. And those small groups are really an awesome way to keep tabs on the life of the church and the oh, health totally. of the church. Right. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, i I'm a huge, huge uh, proponent of small groups. I think, I think they're, they're vital. Um, And the the nice thing about them is that you can really do them no matter the size of your church. Exactly. Right. Yep. Um and they and they serve the same purpose exactly. It doesn't um,
1: matter the size.
0: Yep. Shifting gears a little bit yeah. here uh, and getting getting more into kind of the purpose of this podcast is encouraging encouraging service in the local church. So when you think about work or service in general, whether this is in the context of the local church uh, specifically, but also just you know, the Christian doing their due diligence in the workforce, how does the Christian worldview, how would you say that filters in and through and how should that affect our view of, of work?
1: Well, let me see if I can answer that question in this way. I've been preaching through the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 12. A couple of weeks ago, we just hit verses three to eight, which talks about how God is uniquely gifted and enabled and empowered his body with people whom have gifts to serve, and each one is vitally needed. And so we went over to 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you. And he says, you know, this famous statement, if if they were all one member, where would the body be? Hmm. And so he basically says, hey, the church is designed in such a way that everybody is needed. Everybody can invest. Everybody can make an impact. So yeah, there are people who have maybe more, uh, maybe gifts that are, are out in front more than others, and there are others who are behind the scenes with the gift of helps, but everybody's vitally needed. I think it's an important thing to, to be encouraged by the fact that you know, you're needed. We're all interdependent. Uh, God wants to use us for His glory to exercise our gifts so that we can encourage one another. And we can't do it without every single part of the body. And here's one of my favorite verses that I love to share. In Ephesians chapter four, where God tells us to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what the leadership team is called to do. Kind of work yourself out of a job, so to speak. Then then he comes down to verse 16. He says, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that, which every joint supplies, every joint, according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of the self and love. Everybody's needed. We're all in this together. And so the encouraging thing to me is, you know, no matter what your, your style or you're an outgoing person, or maybe you're an introvert, or maybe you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're a seasoned veteran, God's gifted you, God's energized you through the power of the Spirit to make a difference in your church.
0: I think that that mentality And that type of attitude of service, if we want it to be spreading into the pews, right, it has to come from the leadership first. So the tone of that and the importance and the value that's put on everyday service in the local church has to come from the leadership first. And perhaps a question to you is who's in church leadership, something that is more um, unique to, to your position, how would you encourage other elders and other pastors in other churches to be encouraging their congregants, you know, the people that are serving in church, how would you encourage them to set that tone in their church?
1: Well, I would say, I hope this doesn't come across as maybe pious or judgmental, but I honestly feel like if you just preached the word, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, First uh, Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, all these passages that tell us how the leaders are called to equip the saints and how we're called to model the faith and then inspire people by understanding God's gifted you like he's gifted me. You're a vital part of it, so am I. No ministry is beneath any leader. You know, Just because you're gifted doesn't mean you say, oh, I'm going to stay in my camp and not do anything else. I can't move a chair because I have the gift of leadership. Well, that's a bunch of baloney because the Bible says through love, serve one another. And so that's the key. I think just keep them biblically grounded in what God says is the reality of who we are in Christ, our identity and how he's gifted us and how he's empowered us and through love, serve one another. Go for it.
0: Keeping the word of God, first and foremost, showing humility and not being afraid to get down and and and— and work in the the less flashy uh, areas yourself, right? Yeah.
1: And right. Not, to, not to blow my own horn at all by any means, but I remember when our church was in transition while we are building a building here, we had these teams, we had to use the school next door. And so we had these teams that had to get there at 5.30 in the morning, pull all the chairs in, carry all the equipment in, put up the curtains, set up the nursery, do all this stuff. And I remember uh, I, I said, hey guys, our leadership team, let's lead the way, let's go do it with them. And I remember we did it for three years all together. Mm -hmm. Every week I showed up together and I couldn't tell you how many people said they were encouraged to see that our leaders were willing to do what we asked them to do. And I'm thinking, I'm not surprised by that. That's what we should do. I mean, it shouldn't be like, we have to go to our way to do this. This is just something that's fun to serve with people.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that is a huge encouragement when, people who aren't in leadership like me see see the leadership who's both encouraging me to serve uh, as as they should but then I also see that they are doing due diligence to serve as well cuz that's that's ultimately obviously you know to to bring it back to to scripture that's that's what we see with Christ right is that with all his power and all of his authority that he had and if if anybody had the right to be uh honored and and doted upon and not uh work it was Christ <laughs> right exactly. but but he still got on his knees and washed the feet of sinners right? right he still served and you know healed the sick and did all these things that were obviously beneath him but he didn't care right? right he 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 still did that yeah and that's i agree with you jeff that that's always a huge encouragement to me to see when i see church leaders really uh, really, really taking the reins on that. And if you were to, so say say you have somebody in your congregation that has come up and said, Jeff, I, I don't know how to bring God glory in my job. How do I bring God glory in my everyday menial work? I don't see the worth or value in it. How would you help that person that had that mentality about, about what they do?
1: Well, probably the first thing that I would do is say, hey, that's a great question. I'm glad that you're thinking about that because that's so very important that we live the Christian life in every sphere of life. And so I would say, let me encourage you this week. Why don't you read Ephesians chapter five, read Colossians chapter three, and tell me what you learned this week about how you can live out your work as a believer and give glory to God. And I'm going to let, I'm going to hear what God teaches them. And then I'm going to direct them and show them in scripture that God wants Christians to be the best workers, to be the most honest workers, to be uh, workers that Uh, bosses want to have because they're productive, they're fruitful, they're good for the company because we serve with honor and integrity Mm. and energy and all the things that the Scripture tells us in Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5. So that's what I would probably focus on.
0: Shifting gears a little bit here, but still still kind of in the same vein. When you think about the modern-day church's attitude towards service, do you think we are— A church overall that encourages it, that supports it, or that perhaps um, could could do more work in that area? What do you think?
1: Well, first thing, I'm going to give you an 11-letter word that summarizes what I see in the church.
0: You're going to make me strain something here, Jeff.
1: Consumerism (laughs) is pandemic in the church.
0: Okay, test that out for me.
1: Well, what that means is, is that sadly, because we live in a culture that is focused on customer service it's focused on what's in it for me you know and that's the nature that they're born with and so sometimes in the church we we get maybe bullied or maybe we feel like people are not going to really respond unless we feed the consumerist mindset of the people you know, I'm checking this church out. I'm, I'm seeing how are you guys going to minister to me and my needs? Am I going to like the nursery? Am I going to like the children's ministry? Am I going to like the preacher? Am I going to like the music? Am I going to like, it's all about me, 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 me. So there's a consumeristic mindset rather than how can I come to this church and see if they're a biblically grounded church? First of all, do they love the Lord? Do they preach the gospel? What's their doctrinal statement say about the scripture? Okay, they're a solid church. And with all the other things that you have as preferences, to be willing to lay those aside and say, you know what? I've got gifts. This is a biblically-minded church. I can link arms with them. And how can I serve rather than how can I receive? So I mm-hmm. think that's, that's really, it's always been in the church as long as I can remember, but it goes in waves, And I feel like right now, Because the church tends to say, what can we do to make it as comfortable for people who come to our church as possible so they like us and they want to come back? That's the wrong mindset. I understand you don't want to unnecessarily offend. Sure, you want to have good greeters and sure you want to be friendly and sure you want people to enjoy their experience as long as it's gospel driven, as long as it's Bible based, as long as you're following the mission of the church. But the message of Jesus Christ is not always fun. When you come to a church and you've got a consumer mindset you're going to find 101 ways why you shouldn't stay in that church because it didn't really meet my needs. I don't like the chairs. I don't like how loud it was. I don't like how the minister dresses or whatever. You know, just a thousand things.
0: Yeah, I haven't been alive that long, but that consumerism model has been there as long as I can remember uh, being involved in any type of church leadership or ministry. But it seems like that that consumerism model has taken steroids in the last 10 years Yeah, and has just skyrocketed and has infiltrated. And I think the better word is infected. So many churches and even solid biblical thinking churches, you listen to some of the reasoning behind why they do certain things. And you're you're like, that's not a good reason. That's, yeah. that's not a biblical reason. What do you think it is about our churches? Maybe it's our society, you know, specifically in the last 10 years that has just really roided up that problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. I think we we have to be honest. The church is always going to be influenced by the culture in, in different ways that we may think, you know, that's not a bad thing. So therefore, it's okay for us to participate in that kind of thinking. But then it's a slippery slope. And so, you know, you can almost justify anything uh, in a church in the name of being faithful, I mean, in the name of uh, of maybe being relevant or being, reaching the, the the audience that uh, God's called us to reach in our mission field here. And so I think you have to really be careful as leaders to make sure you're not crossing those lines. What is our message? What is our ministry setup going to say to people when they come? Do we stand for Christ? Is it all about them or is it all about Jesus Christ? And so I think that's where you draw the line. You say, hey, listen, we may not do some of these other things that people you will find in other churches because makes you more comfortable, we're not really concerned about your comfort as much as we are about your holiness and about your salvation and about your growth in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And you got to, you know, you can't just say that. You've got to kind of communicate it in a way that they can receive it because everybody's going to receive it. different. I'd rather have an audience that would show up again so I can, over time, let them know what the real message is than to offend them the first day and never have an audience.
0: Sure. I'm assuming every church leadership balances that that differently and leans one way or the other depending on your experience, your denomination. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. But but it's uh yeah, yeah. I you have to, like you said, balance the not wanting to unnecessarily offend, right. but also realizing that the gospel is the most offensive thing you're going to tell somebody. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. And I've heard it, I've heard it say, you know, the gospel is offensive enough. You don't need hot sauce on it. Yeah. Right. It just, <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> exactly. preach, preach the gospel, preach it true, preach it faithfully and uh, realize that it's going to have the effect that God yeah. and his sovereignty wants it to have. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um. And those are the type, those are the pastors and the leaders that inspire me the most is when I see a gospel centered mission and mindset in that everything that they do, everything that they encourage in church is for the sake and the reasoning of the gospel. When you think about those types of people, Jeff, those, those Christians that perhaps you know and interact with now or that you've read or listened to, when you think about Christians that inspire you, that give you that desire to be more like Christ and to kill the flesh more than you do now and to pursue Christ faster than you do now. What are the traits of those Christians?
1: I would say a number of things. Number one, biblically faithful. My respect level goes off the charts there because many times they are few and far between. Number two, they're humble as servants of Jesus Christ. Uh, number three, they're people of integrity. Uh, they live what they say they believe in what they preach and they talk about. Um, I think those are the main things that I, that really inspire me. And then I think probably a fourth thing I would say is I love people who have that faith. They just are willing to step out and trust God. They're willing to get out of the boat like Peter did, even though they might fall in the water. They're mm-hmm. saying, let's go for it because God's opened the door and, uh, and we have the gospel, we have the word of God. Let's jump into this and see what God does. If there's no real biblical reason not to, you know?
0: Right. So getting into, getting into more lighthearted stuff here, yeah. Jeff, I I know you have them, I know, and you might not be able to talk about them, but, but we're, I'm going to ask you anyway, tell me one of the most funniest or un, most unforgettable church experiences you've ever had.
1: Well, I've got a number of those. And, and of, I,
0: fig- I figured you did. Yeah. Some <laughs> of them I
1: can't tell you on the air.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) But uh,
1: I'm going to tell you one that's on the edge that you might have to cut out. All right. (laughs) But the first one, the first one that I remember, and this happened probably about 15 years ago, we do a parent dedication, baby recognitions at the church, and we get people up in front at one of our services, and we'll invite them up and introduce them and show them the baby and say they're here to dedicate their lives as parents to raise this church out of the fear and the admission of the Lord. And so I'll usually use Psalm 127 where it says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so this day I was quoting it on my own, and I said, hey, you know, the Scripture says in Psalm 127, verse 3, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the loom is a reward. <laughs> and I did not know I said that. And they looked at me weird, and the congregation just busted out in laughter. And I said, what did I say? What did I, what's and, going on? <laughs> and the mother who with whom's child I was, you know, doing this uh, baby recognition, turned to me and said, you said the fruit of the loom. And I was like, (laughs) lost it. I couldn't even gather myself. I mean, that was just like, nobody could focus anymore. That that moment for the parents was gone.
0: Yeah, that's right. This is no longer a baby dedication. We're done. (laughs) That's right. No, no, well, that is not as bad as I thought it was going to be, Jeff. You're fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it could have gone way worse, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny though. Yeah. And hey, you know Further Loom's comfy though. You know, yeah. it really is. Like you could you could almost you could almost insert that in and it would be correct. Almost. And, um,
1: and one of the things you see Josh over the years is is uh, bloopers through your bulletin, through the screen, Oh, yeah. things like that. And I've got a file full of those that I keep. And one that will resonate with you is Martin Luther. We put in our bulletin one time a prayer by Martin Luther. And it said, Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, make thee a bed, soft and undefiled, within my heart kept for thee. My heart for very joy doth leap. My lips no more can silence keep. And here's what it said. I too must sin with joyful tongue.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, that was a little slip
0: there. Whoops! You're like, oh boy, do we leave it? Do you think anyone's going to read it anyway? I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Here, here's the one you might cut. Okay. You ready?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, so I'm ready with it.
1: every, you know, every church finds a way to connect with your guests who come. We always send them a letter in an email if we got their literature. So back in the church plan, I was involved in Evergreen. We got a letter in the mail and here's what it said. It said, dear pastor, for... A reasonably new church who's trying to win friends and influence people misspelled names in such a fashion as this could be offensive to some people. Please check your spelling of the names. This borderlines on lewdness. Yours in Christ, Donna Whitworth. Our secretary had sent it to Donna, you can imagine, not Whitworth, but she hit the S instead of the W. Oh no. <laughs> Not only on the letter but also on the envelope as well. <laughs> I kept that to this day, okay? Anyway, that's that was both the
0: bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness! Gracious. It's incredible. Isn't it? <laughs> on both, she did it on, on both the both? Yeah. letter and the envelope. Yes. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh, that yeah. is that is awesome. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I bet she. I bet your, the secretary was just mortified, though. Oh,
1: she was mortified. She sent her letter. Oh, poor poor, and,
0: poor yeah. lady. Oh, <laughs> this borderlines on lewdness. <laughs> <laughs> I know, borderlines. Oh, oh man. That is hilarious. I'm keeping that in. If you're fine oh, with it, that I'm- is hilarious. That is so funny. That's one of the funniest. Oh yeah. Oh man. I oh see. And Jeff, the, the bad thing is, man, I live for those moments. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I do. When those happen, I'm just like, yes, this <laughs> is why, this is why we're alive.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's right. Oh. oh
0: my gosh. That's, that's awesome. Oh yep. boy. That's a good one. Okay, Jeff. Well, hey, we're running out of time, so okay. it's time for the Monday hot takes. This is when I ask you some questions, and you uh, spout out the first thing that pops into your head. You ready for some of these? All right, let's go. All right, Monday hot take one. Favorite movie?
1: Uh, The Fugitive.
0: Oh, with Harrison Ford? Love it. Oh, that's a great, great soundtrack, too. Yes. Love that movie. Uh, Let's see. <laughs> What's the worst book you've ever read?
1: Oh, the worst or- Book.
0: Or I, maybe started reading and then just didn't finish it.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. Um, I think it was, oh, I wish I could remember the name of it. It was A small book. It was The Prayer of Jabez. Worst <laughs> book. I didn't read the whole thing. <laughs> Got into it and said, "What in the world is this all about?"
0: There's there seems to be a trifecta of worst books on this. It's the Prayer of Jabez, Jesus Calling, and the Shack. Yeah. <laughs> those are the three. Those are like the yeah. those are the trinity of, of worst books that that's I'm right. hearing so far. Yeah. Uh let's see. Um, Jeff, what's the best part of Mondays, man? Showing up. All right, all right. That's half the battle, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, coffee or tea?
1: Iced tea, and that's sweet.
0: With, okay, so with sugar.
1: With sugar. No, I, I can't drink hot stuff.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, let's see. What is something about current Christian culture that is annoying to you? Annoying?
1: This is a celebrityism.
0: Uh, let's see. Have you ever walked out of a the theater? And if so, why and which movie?
1: Yes, I have. And it was, a, it was back in high school. And I don't remember what it was. It was like one of those. I can't remember if it was Halloween or one of those movies, but I was with a bunch of kids from the youth group. Oh and no! I can't remember what it was. It wasn't Halloween. It was one of those movies like it in Bellevue, and I was so upset at the movie at the beginning of it. I said, "You guys, I'm leaving, and I'm getting my money back. And you guys better come with me if you love God," kind of thing. You know, I was really judgmental. You know, <laughs> and none of them left. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well, that was just another tassel on the. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, totally on the roof there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see, nuts and cookies? Yes or no? Yes. All right. I know you're a huge popcorn guy. What's yes. your favorite flavor of popcorn?
1: Uh, just butter popcorn. Homemade butter popcorn.
0: Homemade. So melting the butter yourself, yes. putting the salt in, all that good stuff. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. What's one book you're reading right now that you're enjoying?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I got a number of books that I'm reading. Let's see. Probably. Oh, man. Um, I'm reading a book. <clears throat> you're probably not going to like this book. But it's a book called Pre-Millennialism by okay. Mr. Vlock, who Vlock. is a seminary professor at, at, at uh the Master Seminary.
0: All right, good. Hey, no, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, being a John MacArthur fan, right, right. Yeah, you, right. you, you have to be dispensational somewhere in there, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, it's just
1: fine. No, it's not um, dispensational, it's biblical.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 oh shots have been fired. <laughs> it's okay i'm not smart enough to argue with you i'm just going to shake my calvinist fist and be like well one of these days we'll see right right. (laughs) uh let's see uh jeff what is the best advice you've ever been given best advice Mm -hmm. be faithful till death Mm. all right and jeff when you get into heaven uh other than christ of course who is the uh who's the one person that you're running to to meet
1: Oh, for sure. No, Uh, I want to meet, oh man, two guys. I got to say two.
0: I'm going to
1: meet Peter just to see how wild eyed he is. (laughs) And I want to meet Paul and see how short he really is.
0: Yeah, that's right that's right that's that's what the history books say right yeah it's short of stature and uh, peter with the the foot-shaped mouth right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well hey jeff that is gonna do it for this podcast man uh it was a joy and yeah. an encouragement having you on i really appreciate you uh taking the time to come on with us today man
1: i appreciate it josh it's great to see you again and uh the best to you on this podcast
0: Oh, I appreciate it. So, hey, everyone, you can head on over to iTunes and leave a review and a raving five-star rating, if you don't mind. You can subscribe to us on uh, iTunes, Google Music, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. You can um, head over to facebook.com slash Everyday a Monday podcast. And thanks for joining us in the trenches today. And we will catch you on the next step of Everyday a Monday.